learn about the strides female entrepreneurs of color are making. Be inspired by their story and enlightened by their leadership insight and advice. Welcome to season three of She Leads Podcast, Leadership Empowerment for Women of Color. I'm your host, Nicole Walker, a mother, businesswoman, and leader. Our guest for today is Dr. Janice Armstead. Dr. Janice Armstead is the Valencia College Bachelor of Applied Science in Business and Organizational Leadership Program Chair. She is a self-published author, motivational speaker, with over 20 years professional experience in the public and private sector. Dr. Janice Armstead has self-published several books to include Pep Talks, series books, a holistic and innovative interviewing tactics for job seekers, 10 tips for applying for government jobs, her newest business series for understanding the federal government. Her writings cover her expertise in human resources, business management, the federal hiring process, and government hiring reform. She has a professional knowledge based on being a subject matter expert in human resources, business, and federal exploration. Dr. Janice Armstead has an MBA with a concentration in human resources from St. Leo University and a doctorate in business administration from Jones International University. Without further ado, Leadership Empowerment with Dr. Janice Armstead. All right, so Dr. J, I read your bio and I love your passion for human resources, mm -hmm. business and federal explorations, as well as your commitment to helping others navigate these terrains. So kudos to you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's kind of my passion. You're welcome. That's awesome. Okay. So Dr. J, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to be a guest on She Leads Podcast, Leadership Empowerment for Women of Color. We appreciate you blessing us with your insight today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. So now let's talk about leadership. All right, let's do it. Okay, so I myself feel that every person is a leader in one shape or form, whether they realize it or not. Would you agree, Dr. J? I do. You know, leadership is something that you're not really born with. It's something that you learn how to do from, you know, failures and successes and things like that. So for the most part, you know, I believe that leadership is something that you have to really want to do in your career and in your personal life. So it depends on what your venture is or what platform you have. But initially, I, I like to let people know that are getting started that it doesn't matter how big or small your platform is. You have one, whether you realize it or not. So being that you do, you're innately a leader by default, right? It just depends on what type of leader you want to be and where you're leading and who you're leading and what type of venture you're leading. Okay. Thanks for that. And I do totally agree with you. And I like what you said. We are leaders by default, mm -hmm. <laughs> whether we like it or not. Whether okay. like it or not, that's what it is. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> so can you tell us when you realized you were a leader and what or who helped you to come to this realization? Oh, I love that question. You know, I hardly ever get that question, even though I've been in several leadership roles. So I would have to say I... 
I knew I was a leader, you know, going back a little bit, a little bit of history about me. I've always wanted to be some sort of a teacher. And I believe teachers are probably some of the primary leaders we have in the world because we're the ones that are developing and creating thoughts and and new ideas and helping people realize their goals and dreams. So I was a leader probably when I was about five years old, when I was teaching my Barbie dolls, you know, things from my little miniature desk, you know, as a, as a toddler. But being older, when I joined the military, I joined when I was 17. And I realized when I first joined the military that I had a lot of leadership qualities that were just dormant in me that I didn't realize needed to be ignited. And so I joined boot camp when I was 17 years old, the United States Navy. And when I first came into the military, it was really difficult for me to kind of, you know, go through the terrain of that difficult, you know, transition between being a civilian and being a military soldier. And when I was going through boot camp, I remember I had to make a decision pretty quickly on if I was going to be my authentic self or if I was going to blend into the crowd. And so the moment I decided to be my authentic self in every single moment is when I innately became a leader. And it was wonderful people like my drill sergeants or friends and family that have always, you know, promoted me to be who I am and being who you are kind of gets those leadership qualities out of you. And then you're just about, you're honing these certain leadership skills that you have. So when you decide when you're a leader, then you have to hone your leadership skills and what that means to you and how you're going to portray yourself as a leader. Because truth be told, you know, I'm leading when I'm in the grocery store. I'm leading when, you know, I'm out and about, you know, walking my pugs or just doing everyday things because, It's not about what you're doing. It's about who you are and who you're deciding to be in every moment. So definitely, I would say friends, family, coworkers, and even those that have challenged me. I think the ones that have challenged me have made me an even better leader than those that have agreed with everything I've said. And I appreciate those times because it's kind of like being a diamond in a rough. You know, you don't get a diamond from light pressure. You get a diamond from extreme pressure. That's when you get a diamond. And whenever I think about myself as a diamond in the rough, I often let other people know when I see leadership qualities in them to allow them to hone into their leadership skills to be that person for them that other people were for me. Okay. Thanks for that. You said a lot of great things. I love the fact that you said that some of your leadership skills were or leadership qualities were dormant and they had to be ignited because I do believe that that happens with many people. I know for sure that it happened with myself, you know, and I love the fact that you talked about just embracing your authentic self, right? Because I do believe that some people just have natural leadership abilities, you know, and others, you know, maybe not as natural. People have to actually maybe show them or, you know, pull it out more. Mm-hmm. I love the innate characteristics, like when we actually, you know, just allow those characteristics to come to the surface, you know, how they bloom into something great. You talked about honing your skills. Great, great, just ways to realize that you are a leader. So thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, being a leader is not something that 
kind of that we choose. Sometimes it chooses us in a lot of different situations. And it's okay to not know the answer all the time. I tell my students all the time, you know, I'm not up here teaching because I know everything or because I am the leader of this class. I'm up here because I'm sharing knowledge and I'm trying to inspire you to be leaders as well. Yes. Yes. I totally agree. Thanks for that. Absolutely. Okay. So in my upcoming book, The Code of Leadership, The If-Then Process, I outline my experiences and lessons that have helped me to become a better leader with the intention of helping others do the same. Dr. J, can you share what you would consider to be your code of leadership and why? Oh, wow. That is a wonderful question. My code of leadership. Hmm. I would say my actual code of leadership would have to be my ability to actively listen. Active listening skills. I think they're they're really not given enough privilege when it comes to active listening. It's it's something that a lot of people don't know how to do. So active listening skills in reference to my code of leadership. So as a, a young leader, I was often trained and told when I was in the military that, you know, you, you act now and you ask questions later, you just get the job done, right? And with that came a lack of ability to understand and appreciate communication, let alone active communication. So active communication in reference to code of leadership is about not just talking or listening, right? It's about listening with the ability to analyze, understand, and provide ample feedback to the person that you're listening to. It's not just about biting your tongue and trying to just hold your words so that way when the person's done talking, you could spit out what your thoughts are. It's about taking the time, realizing in that moment that you're critically thinking about what the person is actually saying so that way you can provide a response, right? And then in the active listening skills as well, it's good practice. It's just overall good practice for the workforce, for your professional life, for your personal life. The code of leadership for me with active listening skills bleeds over to so many different areas of where miscommunication happens. And the miscommunication happens just because we're not honing into that that very minute, but yet thoroughly detailed piece of actively listening to one another. Okay. Thanks for that. I love that. I literally, I've done, I don't know what number episodes, you know, this is my, the third season, but you know, 18 episodes per season. So we're, we're, we're a number in. And I want to say, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone talk about active listening. And this is so, so, so important because Listening is a major part of communication and a lot of people, I think, don't take the importance of listening very seriously. I know myself, I've, I struggled with listening in the past, you know, and, and actually it took me to actually take a class on listening or on communication to realize I had a problem. You know, I think a lot of people don't even realize they have a problem. Like you said, they're just waiting to respond and they don't realize that when you wait to respond, you're not completely listening to the person that's talking to you because you can't, you know, you're just anticipating what you want to say as opposed to soaking in what they are saying. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Shedding light on that. Yes, that's awesome. Absolutely. And just to add on that too, the, I teach a course called um, business communications and writing and it talks, there's a whole chapter 
on listening and active listening and the differences between the two. And it's amazing the light bulbs that go off in many of my students' minds when they realize that a lot of their havoc and discontent in relationships period is just the lack of active listening and taking the time to do that. And I have to really thank people that have challenged me and a a lot of people that really haven't agreed nor liked me or liked my mindset on, on certain topics, even in the workforce, because it made me have to listen to what they had to say with a critical ear and not taking offense, right? Because when you're active listening, it's hard to be critical about what somebody's saying when you're trying to understand and critically think about what they're actually saying, not just regurgitating words at them. So it's a, a unique skill that you have to learn and hone and practice each and every day. Yes, I like that. Yes, it requires us to go deep, right? Instead of shallow, you know, shallow thinking or shallow mm-hmm. listening. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I believe all leaders experience failure. Mm-hmm. I myself, I don't like to consider them failures. I like to consider them lessons, take more of an optimistic view. But mm-hmm. Dr. J, can you share your view on failure and what it means to you? Oh, I love that question too, Nicole. (laughs) Okay, so this is another thing I actually, it's another key major point in the business world and just overall, you know, professional growth. So I used to look at failure like a hindrance, like something I tried to avoid and evade, something that was, you know, this dirty little secret that successful people don't talk about. Right. Yeah. So to me, failure and it's such a cliche, but it's so true. Failure is probably the biggest teacher of how to succeed. Right. Because I can tell you, I've done a lot of things. You know, I've been a hair model. I've been a plus size model. I started my own business. I've written self-published books. I mean, I, I wanted to be, you know, in an entertainment business. Like I've tried all these different ventures. And honestly, what I learned from the ones that failed, even the ones I was mediocre at, is that if you're going to fail, then you might as well learn something from it. Mm-hmm. You might as well, right? So it's not just taking an optimistic view on it. And it's not just looking at it like a lesson learned. It's, it's using it as a tool for your continued success, right? So I have failed at a lot of things. And honestly, I am grateful for those failures because if it wasn't for those failures, then I would have never found out what I'm really excellent at. Mm. I would not know what I'm outstanding at, right? It's kind of like my analogy I tell my students and even myself sometimes, like if I'm going to eat some fast food, it better be piping hot. I don't want a cold French fry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want... You know, I want it to be piping hot. So if I get a cold fry, then that's a failure on the part of the business that I'm buying that item from. And I'm going to take it back. And they're going to remember that when somebody says no salt, that they mean AKA hot fries. So it's not even failure on your own. It's your ability to allow other people to grow and develop. And in, in each and every moment, looking at like a teachable moment. So my failures, they're a part of my accomplishments right? They, they sit side by side with my successes because the success couldn't happen without a handshake with the failure. And the failure is what makes you awesome at what you do now. That's all it is. It's a tool for success. 
It's something you look back on and you reflect. I keep a lot of journals. I think journals are important. And I keep them for a number of reasons because I often write down all the negative, bad things that happen. And then often when I'm feeling good about myself, I'll reread some of those journals knowing that it's full of failures or times where I wasn't feeling so great about myself. And it makes me move into an attitude of gratitude. Now I have a gratitude about the goodness that's happening now because I'm remembering how far I come, not how far I have to go, right? So we're, we never take the time to reflect on the failures in a, in a more positive way. It's easy to say, you know, think positive, be positive, but it's harder to actually do it and have a strategic way to look at it constructively where you can then share those failures with other people in transparency without having any grief or havoc about what you failed at. Okay. Thanks for that. I love that. I love I hope um, I answered the question fully. No, you answered the question very excellently. Like you said, failures are usually looked at as dirty little secrets, but they're not. They are our biggest teachers in success. And I really had to giggle to myself because I order fries with no salt because I want hot fries. So I was just really cracking up, you know. It's <laughs> so true. I love it. Yes, it I is, love it. It's so true. Like, you know, my grandmother used to tell me something. She's like, you know, nobody wants anything lukewarm, half-baked, or, me- or uh, mediocre. Nobody wants, you know, a warm plate of food. It's either going to be ice cold or piping hot. Like I want it either or to the extreme because I'm choosing it to be that way. And it's these little things that we pick up on that we don't realize link to our successes that are contributing factors from the failure. So I, I think, and I'm in gratitude, like absolute gratitude for the failure because thank you failure, because if I didn't have you and experience you to the extreme, then I wouldn't know. And I wouldn't know how to appreciate the success. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So Dr. J, can you share one time you failed as a leader and tell us what you learned from that experience that helped you to become a better leader? Absolutely. So um, I can recall a specific time when I failed. I was actually working for a federal organization and I was having a hard time with assisting my customers with understanding how to complete job applications. It's really difficult to complete a federal job application for anybody that's done that before. And what I wanted to do was I actually wanted to help them realize how they could apply for jobs that they were actually qualified for instead of just putting in random applications and wasting a lot of time. So I had a candidate actually come to my office and express to me that he was having difficulty just maneuvering the process of how to complete a a federal application. And I really didn't have time to sit and talk with him and things like that. And so I felt, you know, a little bit apprehensive about telling him how to do certain things because you have to be fair and just because we're talking about federal dollars and the public's money. And so I felt really bad that I wasn't able to help him the way I wanted to. So in any situation, you know, I look at my failures, I take a moment and I, I breathe and I ask myself what I can do in that situation to be a better person. So about maybe two or three weeks later, I had an epiphany, just an instant one. And I started writing frequently asked questions that candidates would often ask me. And so I created a blog 
and it turned into my official website right now. And I posted up all these different tidbits of information that most people would not know or couldn't find unless they knew somebody in the federal sector that knew how to, you know, complete uh, application properly. And so I wrote down these little snippets of information and I actually published it. And that same candidate that was having difficulties was able to find a lot of the teachings and the the tidbits I was putting out. And he was able to complete his application properly. And that same candidate came back to my office and thanked me for helping him with those particular items because he didn't feel like anybody else was assisting him. And even though he didn't get the position initially when he wanted to, he was able to complete it and and actually get the position that he wanted. And the reason why that was so important to me was often candidates would come to me and express to me their need for the position or you know, things that are going wrong in their life. And at the time, he was having a really hard time. His home was getting foreclosed on and he had a child that was going to college and he was having a really rough time. And the ironic part about it was the position he was applying for made three times as much money in salary than I did. His compensation was was way more than mine was, but yet he needed me to help him to understand what he was doing wrong to get this position. So it was just a really, you know, eye-opening moment that in any situation, you have to make a choice on what you're going to do with that particular failure at that time, no matter what it is, big or small. It could be burning, you know, a grilled cheese on the stove. How are you going to do it different next time? And it's about forgiving yourself for Mm -hmm. the failure. I think a lot of times we don't forgive ourselves for the failure and we just wallow in that failure. And then that's when failure becomes a hindrance in that dirty secret because you're thinking of it as something that has kept you back from something or something you're not good at or this residual negative chatter in your mind, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of times I teach on how to really hone in to the positive things, even though the negative chatter is happening, and then speaking out positive affirmations, right? So positive affirmations are something that we're not taught how to use or or what to do with. So when I bring those things up to my students, a lot of them, sometimes it's their first time hearing what a positive affirmation is. They know Uh what what negative self-talk is, but Mm -hmm. they have no idea what a positive affirmation is. And it's so funny because it's the exact polar opposite of negative and failure which a lot of people don't think about because we're trained even as young children to pick up on these negative thought patterns and not to focus on the positive ones in a constructive way. Yes, I totally agree. Thanks for Mm -hmm. that. I love how you talked about the failure and then how you didn't allow yourself to stay there, but then use that to not only help the one person, but to also help more people in the future. So that was awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. So Dr. J, do you feel it's easier, harder, or requires the same effort to be a female leader in the entrepreneur ecosystem and why? Ah, Nicole. (laughs) Ah, is it easier, harder, or requires the same effort to be a female leader in the entrepreneurship ecosystem? All right. So we're going to just outline a couple of, you know, demographics here. So being a female, I think, is one facet of it. Being an African-American is another facet. 
right? Mm -hmm. And then just your overall experience is another facet. So those are three different areas. They're not mutually exclusive because you have to remember that each one of these pieces takes on kind of a different life when you're thinking about the entrepreneurship ecosystem. So being a female, right, it's the entrepreneurship venture is not highly dominated by females, let alone black females, let alone black females with a certain background. Normally you have to have, you know, education experience, some kind of capital investors. So there's all these other pieces that go along with it. So I think that it could be all three for all of those. And maybe that's a little convoluted of a, of a response, but it could be easier, harder, and require the same amount of effort for all those pieces. And by that, I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes we know, you know, unfortunately, it's easier for some females to get into certain ventures than others. In some areas, it's easier for African-Americans to get into some ventures than others. But then the money part, right? The investment, the ability to fund the actual entrepreneurship venture. That's a whole nother piece because money does not have a, a gender demographic or a background. Money is, is seamless. It goes anywhere, you know, and what do they say? Money talks. So if you have the money to do something, then essentially you will have the venture. So I think those are some key pieces to remember. And whenever anybody's going into an entrepreneurship ecosystem per se, or even just, you know, just a general venture in in general, it takes a certain mentality to remember that most entrepreneurships, most small businesses fail within the first three years. You know, that's the whole purpose of writing a business plan. Some people feel like, you know, writing a business plan is, is overrated and why do I need this? Currently in my capstone course for the classes that I teach, we're writing a business plan and I'm having them write a piece of it every single time to make sure they understand how important every section is. So there's a marketing piece, there's a funding piece, there's an accounting piece, there's a promotion piece, there's a business description piece. Like you need to know your business. And the one thing I tell anybody that's deciding to go into a venture is know your numbers. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know anything. You really don't because the numbers are what really matter when it comes to the ecosystem and going into an entrepreneurship uh, venture. Okay. Thanks for that. Does that help? Does that answer the question? No, and it does. And it does. And actually, I've heard that answer before where, you know, I love this question because depending on who you talk to, everyone seems to have just a different view. And I love all the different views. I love hearing different views. But yes, I do agree with you. It can be easier. It can be harder. It can require the same. So they do kind of all coexist depending on who you are, where you are, what you're doing and that kind of thing. So thanks for sharing. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Okay, so productivity is a hot topic right now, mm-hmm. as it should be, right? Mm-hmm. Many people want to know how to do more with less and be efficient. Mm. As a successful leader, this is a must. Mm-hmm. Dr. J, do you have any productivity tips to share with our listeners? Oh, get your pencils out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got some productivity tips for you and, and the audience and everybody. So people are always asking me, you know, uh, especially my students are like, you know, you do a lot of your, you got your, 
Smarter Not Harder business and you're writing books and you're teaching and you're creating educational videos and all this stuff and programs, like how do you do all that stuff? And the main thing that I have to say is that I think that productivity is something that you're constantly fixing and adjusting. Like you have to constantly fix and adjust it. So you have to use a multitude of tools in order to do that, right? So I'm using technology, of course. I'm using all different types of manual things like keeping lists or reminders and things like that. But then I'm also making sure I'm keeping up to date on everything that's current. So currently when I do my lectures, I realize I have to focus on different types of learners. So using productivity tools like Prezi or Screencast or, you know, things that are going to help me or Grammarly. Those are all productivity tools that not only I use, but I can share with the people that I'm actually creating things for, right? So that's one of the main pieces. Another thing is just make some lists. Just write down your ideas, brainstorm, use brainstorming tools, and then go back and reorganize your list after you've decided that you want to look at it. Like write everything down. I write everything down. I use dictation applications when I'm in the car and I think that I thought of a new idea or I forgot to do something. And while I'm in the car, I'll hit record so that way I don't lose my thought because I know it's great. You know, just, it was so funny. Just the other day, when you love what you do and do what you love, I literally woke up out of a dead sleep on Sunday morning with a flood of things that I wanted to do to make my courses and my classes more interactive. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just woke up out of a dead <laughs> sleep and I wrote, I think like three pages of interactive activities and tools I could do to make my classes even better than what they currently are. And it's so much fun because, you know, I tell my students often, I say, you know, you need to find your purpose with what you want to do. When you find your purpose with what you want to do, the money will come. It's going to come. Now, it may, it may not be the amount of money you want to come, but if you keep doing it consistently, then you can rest assured, more opportunities will open up and happen based on your passion and your drive to do what you want to do. That's what it's really about. So productivity, use some tools, use yeah. some things that maybe you've never used before to keep your brain fresh and alive and obviously current. You got to stay current. Yes. Yes. Thank you for that. I love that. And I do agree with everything you said, you know, lists, reminders. I love that dictation application. Now, do you just use the recorder on your phone or do you have a specific app that you use for dictation? I do. I actually use Dictation Dragon. Okay. Um, called Dragon, but I also use, um, there's a, most brand new computers. If you have a computer that was created within the last, you know, two to three years, it has a speech to text option. So often when I'm creating videos and I'm doing like closed captions to make sure that they're ADA compliance, I'll use either Dictation Dragon or Talks to Text or some kind of application on my actual computer or download an application that I can use after I've recorded a video to make sure that it's accessible to all my students. Okay. Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. All right. So Dr. J, can you share an experience that blessed your leadership and tell us about the outcome or the takeaway that you learned? 
Absolutely. So I've had a couple of different positions in the federal sector, just to be, you know, transparent with that. I can remember back when I was in my uh, mid-20s, I actually went to an Urban League hiring event in Atlanta, Georgia. And it was right after I was honorably discharged from the Navy. So I was fresh off the Navy. I had all these leadership skills and all these Janes of all trades that I knew how to do. And so I went there, put my best suit on, had all my you know resumes, and I'm walking through. And as I was about to leave, there was a representative that approached me from a federal organization that asked me that wanted me to apply for an internship. And I thought that was really interesting because I had never heard at the time of federal agencies offering internships, let alone paid internships. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so she caught my interest because, you know, compensation always does. <laughs> and then when she said that, you know, once I was accepted into the internship program, that I could actually go anywhere in the nation I could choose to go, that, that sparked my interest even more. And so I completed the application and she looked at me and she said, we need you in our organization because I can tell you're a born leader. And I thanked her for the compliment, but I also wanted her to realize that it wasn't something that I was necessarily born with. Maybe there were skills, like we said, that were just dormant that I didn't know were there. But it was really interesting that she saw that in me just by the way I carried myself mm -hmm. and how I spoke and how I interacted and the fact that I gave a firm handshake and I made eye contact with her. So those were all skills I've had to learn and hone. All in all, I did get the internship and they asked me where I wanted to go. And I told them I, I'm originally from California. I wanted to go back to California. So I was stationed back in California with this organization. And I was able to do the most fascinating things and get exposed to things that I would never have had exposure to before. And just to give you a background, the organization was FDIC. It was the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. So mm. the little sticker that's on the banks when you walk in, <laughs> you get your money out the ATM, right? Yeah. So it was a banking auditing internship. And just a little background, I do not have a knack for numbers per se, but I thought it was an interesting opportunity. And so I changed my MBA concentration to accounting. And after about a year and a half, I realized, ah, it's not my thing. <laughs> was it really my thing? But the fascinating part about it was it brought a awareness to my ability to step out of myself and step into unknown chartered territories and, and leadership roles that I would have never done before. So, and it was during, it was right before the housing crisis, actually. It was really interesting. So I was a part of all these different mechanisms that were fascinating to, to learn and, and develop in. And that same person came up to me after I told her that, you know, I thought this internship was great, but it's not for me. And she said, yeah, it was a real pleasure working with you. And I could tell that you've grown even more as a leader being here, even though you've decided to move on to bigger and better things. And it was just an awesome opportunity. And to this day, I still remember her and the opportunity she gave me to build my leadership skills. And so I, I share that in connection to that failure piece we talked about earlier, because most people would look at that internship like a failure. I didn't finish, you know, I didn't finish the internship. I changed my 
my concentration to human resources, which now I'm outstanding at. But if it wasn't for me getting that exposure and being open to the opportunity for the possibility of that happening, I would have never have learned that I love compliance because I was exposed to that during my internship. I would have never learned that I love policies and procedures because I was exposed to those parts, right? And the best part about it is that really pushed me in the HR and teaching sector. And having the FDIC experience on my resume actually contributes to my ability to really contribute some authentic conversations in the classroom about how things really work in the world. That's awesome. I love that. And I love just the way it started out where I think it's definitely a blessing when people see stuff in us that we don't see in ourselves because then they empower us to, you know, see more and dig deeper and kind of, like you said, learn to step outside of ourselves and into uncharted territory. So thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So Dr. J, can you offer our listeners the best advice you have as a leader or have ever received from a leader and tell us how you've implemented it into your life? Wow. Okay. So I would have to say some of the best advice I've ever received from a leader was probably from the first. When I was in the military, I had an amazing supervisor. He actually taught me how to drive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I didn't know how to drive when I first went into the military. He looked at me and he said, I can see greatness in you. I can see potential in you. And I appreciated that. But potential is no good without follow through. Mm. Anybody can have as much potential as they want. Potential doesn't mean anything. All it means is that you have the possibility of doing something that you haven't done yet. That's all that means. So he looked at me, he said, you have potential. And I I challenged him. I said, well, what do you think is going to bring the potential out of me? Because that's how I've always been, even at 17. And he said, well, what I think is going to bring the potential out of you is your ability to get out of your own way. Mm. You've got to get out of your own way. Without you getting out of your own way, you're never going to explore the possibility of the potential that you truly have. And I have always remembered that from my very first supervisor and he was amazing. So I needed that kind of focus, especially at 17 years old. And it was the advice I needed to to remember whenever I had those failures happen, right? So that advice has carried me through different things. And the way I've implemented that into my life is that whenever I've come to an obstacle or some kind of you know, mechanism where I've gotten professionally off track, I remember, okay, am I in my own way right now? Is that why this isn't working? Is me being in my own way affecting my ability to be greater or do more? And then I just take a pause and I sit with the gratitude of the, you know, ability to have that kind of critical thinking reflection. Cause again, it's a honed skill. It's not something everybody knows how to do. So I would have to say that's the best piece of advice that has has ever been given to me is, you know, you got to be able to know how to get out of your own way and know how to uh, decipher the difference between a battle and an actual war. Mm. There's a difference. Mm, I like that. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, wait, that look, that took me back. Like, okay. <laughs> you are amazing, Nicole. I like it. I really do. And I love the 
potential is no good without follow through because, you know, I'm one that can see, you know, I a lot of times couldn't see the potential in myself, you know, that people saw, but then I can see it in others. And I have seen others with great potential who did not have follow through. Right. You know, and, and it's just so sad, you know, to see that. So I do totally understand that and totally agree with you. It, without follow through, I mean, you know, it's probably a lot of homeless people that have the potential to be president. You exactly. know, but yet, you know, without that follow through, you'll be who you choose to be. Right. Right. Yes. So I love that and I love the get out of your own way. Look, I'm, i might have to write and put that in my bathroom. <laughs> you know, on my mirror, because I love, love, love that. So just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are welcome. Okay. So you made it to the finish line. How do you feel? This has been one of the best experiences for me this year so far. Thank you. Oh, awesome. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Okay. So I want to thank you again for being our guest on She Leads Podcast. Leadership Empowerment for Women of Color. But before we part, do you want to give our listeners your contact information or mention any events, products, services, and or ventures that they would benefit from knowing about? Oh, you know I do, Nicole. You know I do. So you can actually connect with me on my website. My official website is JaniceArmstead.com and it's my first and last name together. Also, I have uh, recently published a book called Pep Talks, and it's actually a compilation of all five of my Pep Talks series, which talk about some of the things that I've been talking about here, professional affirmations, confidence boosters, how to answer key interview questions, and also samples of how I've answered questions. And the great thing about Pep Talks is The way it came about was I actually took all of the failures and all of the terrible interviews and all the positions I didn't get because of what I said wrong. And I put those all in one book. And I wanted to share those with everybody that has some of those same struggles to help them realize what they can do and where they can be if they just put their mind to it. So yeah, that's it. And I'm the academic chair for Valencia College. And I've created a degree program, which is their first business four-year degree. It's a two plus two degree and it's a business of applied science and business and organizational leadership. And I've created it using OERs, which is open educational resources. So for the core classes, there are no textbook fees. So it's probably one of the most affordable degrees that you can get in the state of Florida as far as a, a bachelor's of science degree. Wow. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you, Dr. J. We appreciate your insight today. Thank you so much, Nicole. It has been an absolute pleasure. You're welcome. I really enjoyed this interview with Dr. J, and I hope you did as well. I agree with Dr. J's notion that we need to hone into the good things that are happening in our lives and reduce the negative chatter in our minds. Choosing to focus on the positive is game-changing. To overcome a negative mindset, a rewiring is required. As Dr. J suggested, a great tool to use to assist in this process is speaking positive affirmations to ourselves. I will admit that I had no idea about a positive affirmation until a few years ago. 
And I must say they are everything. I admire Dr. J's decision to implement a process improvement within her organization based on a failed opportunity. Because she could not service one customer to her standards, she created a system that has helped countless individuals, including the person she could not help initially. Talk about making a win out of a loss. Figuring out how to automate and streamline processes is forward thinking. As Dr. J mentioned, we have to look at things strategically and constructively. Knowledge sharing is priceless and it empowers individuals while promoting personal and professional success. Successful leaders recognize gaps and implement process improvements. I can relate to Dr. J's experience of trying several ventures that did not go as planned, yet pushing forward and using the lessons learned as building blocks for success. After failing at several business ventures and soaking in the grief that usually accompanies failure, which for me was many years, I was able to reflect and realize that all was not lost. I chose to look at the lessons learned from each venture, which included things I did well, in addition to areas that I needed to improve. From this, I figured out what I would do differently next time instead of wallowing in the loss. As with Dr. J, failing helped me to realize what I was excellent at. Nicole Walker's takeaway for this week. Dr. J mentioned the importance of active listening to fully understand and analyze what a person is saying. Active listening requires an appreciation for communication and is necessary to lead effectively. Active communication is not one of my gifts but I choose to work on this area daily. Listening with a critical ear without taking offense is not easy, yet it is essential. I will make it my business to practice active listening and process before speaking. A quote by Dean Jackson reads, listening is an art that requires attention over talent, spirit over ego, and others over self. And now we have Nicole Walker's Leadership Challenge of the Week. Are you struggling with your leadership effectiveness personally or professionally? Could you use some help in attaining the goals you have set for yourself, your team, or your company? Do you know what it takes to hit the mark but need some accountability to get there? My leadership challenge for you is to get out of your own way and reach out to Nicole Walker Network today. Nicole Walker Network is here to help you be successful. Email Nicole Walker Network at info at NicoleWalker.net to set up your personal consultation and continue on your path to greatness. You are already a great person. With Nicole Walker Network, you can become even greater. Follow us on Facebook at She Leads Podcast and Nicole Walker Network. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nicole underscore Walker underscore Network. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this episode of She Leads Podcast, Leadership Empowerment with Dr. Janice Armstead. And check out the She Leads Podcast discussion group on Facebook to see what the hot topics are for this week and let us know your views and takeaways from this episode. Thanks, and until next time, 
Be empowered and empower on.